Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. With me today is my co-host, Nadia Oxford, as always. Hello. And, of course, Bob Mackey, who is returning to us. Um, we are going to be talking about a lot of things. Um, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, whatever the heck that means, is now out on mobile. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Star Ocean, which Bob reviewed, and... We're going to talk about the best RPGs so far in 2016 as we head into the heat of summer and on into the fall. But I think the first thing we should start with is, uh, I think we should start by shedding a single tear, Nadia, Mm. a single tear for the Final Fantasy franchise, because (laughs) they have truly sold out with Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. Um, I mean, it breaks my little heart a little bit. I got to give Square Enix credit. Let's face it. They do a lot of mobile stuff, but they still do a lot of console PC stuff as well. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from, though, because Brave Exvius, um, if you do not like free-to-play mechanics, you will not like this game. Um, if you dig, say, Record Keeper, you'll, you'll love it. Uh, and I think, um, going to the ga- I think Square has been doing mobile games for over a decade, long before we were, as a country, into mobile games. There's a lot of Final Fantasy stuff on mobile, but it was before the free-to-play model, I believe. Like that, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was for future phones. One of the compilations I was more, of I was less grump. I think I was less grumbling about the existence of a Final Fantasy mobile game, which obviously this is not the first Final Fantasy mobile game. I think I'm grumbling more that they're cashing in on the history of Final Fantasy and the legacy of Final uh, Fantasy to make oh, a few bucks. Yeah. They they're have no problems with doing that. They're stoking the <laughs> which they've always done. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They've done it since Dissidia. They've done it going back to, heck, the Final Fantasy VII era. Didn't they have Cloud in a fighting game or something? Yeah, that was uh, Uh, Urguys, God Bless the Ring. Urguys, God Bless the Ring, yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a Christian fighting game. (laughs) But I just have to roll my eyes when it's like, oh, cash in your tickets or whatever. Uh, Cash in your crystals and like roll the dice and see if you can get the Final Fantasy VI character of your choice. You may get a rare version that's all glowy and purple. Yeah, I I want the shiny Strago. I went and I got a shadow... Oh. And I got a cane. Oh, damn it. I've been trying for cane all yep. day. <laughs> I got a cane. I got Terra in a Magitek armor because I think there's some kind of um, deal going on yeah, right now. Yeah, there's a promotion. I think if you sign up now, you'll get it. I got the little mage from Final Fantasy XI. I forget what her name is. Shantoto? Yeah, I got her. I got a rare version of her. Yeah, um, so I got two rare versions of her. I don't know what the hell's going on. So I'm like, and this was all from like stuff you got for free when you start up, actually. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I'm satisfied. I don't, I don't need to get anything better than this. Uh, <laughs> but still, like, it's clearly gauged around the idea of you're gonna want to spend money on this game eventually. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I can see also, I can understand also why you're upset because it is a gorgeous looking game. Like those sprites are amazing. And I'd really yeah, like to see them in a paid game. Yeah, where were those people when they were remaking Final Fantasy VI and V? Like, where, where were oh, they God, tell me to rescue it. those <laughs> remakes? Were you play- are you playing it on your phone or on an iPad? I'm playing on my phone. Okay, I'm playing on my phone, too. And I think I'm actually going to disagree a little bit. I think the sprites look okay, but they look pretty scrunched, and they lack any real detail. Um, actually, the sprite art reminds me of somebody, like a hobby- what a hobbyist might do if they were going and making their own sprites. Maybe it's because my frame of reference is that awful Final Fantasy VI remake. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that I think they look hobbyist. Look like they're that's distinguishable. My on how to make characters. <laughs> They're distinguishable, but I'm not sure that I'm a huge fan. Um, I like it. I like the colors. I like the way that it animates. Yeah, I, I just like the way it all, the look all looks together. Um, but either way, I'd kind of like to see a, a paid game with uh, that same visual style. I really enjoy it. It was interesting, though, that it seems to have a quest. So mm-hmm. when you start out, like you start out with these two new kind of generic characters, and it's kind of jedi and padawan style relationship uh traveling around and they're going from place to place and the overworld map is like click on your next destination and a dungeon consists of like fighting multiple battles until you get to a boss Mm -hmm. um but there's there's a like there are story moments like there are story interludes between dungeons Uh, so i'm like and I, i i sort of feel like the story can be played out without spending any money yeah, that seems to be the case. Uh, so far, I haven't come up against anyone who's, like, horribly powerful. Um, although, as you said, it really helps that they give you a lot of free stuff when you first start playing. And again, that might just Tons. be the first week. I, yeah, I think that might be a a benefit. It, it has an energy counter. Absolutely. And that energy counter has not run down on me yet. And so I'm wondering if the quests I'm doing right now are for free or oh, yes, if, until you reach rank four. Um, oh, then the energy goes down. Then it starts to go down, and it doesn't take too long. Those bastards. Yeah. I I do not take any game seriously <laughs> that has an energy meter. I just don't. I, I, yeah. I think that it is the single dumbest idea uh, that has ever come to gaming. And the disgusting thing is that it makes money. Like People like happily plunk in their quarters, but I just... Anytime I see an energy meter, I'm out because I'm just I'm not going to plunk in that money. I, I I hate that the game is balanced around a stupid energy meter. It's balanced around uh, interrupting my flow, and it goes double for an RPG mm-hmm. where the the pleasure is just settling in and spending a long time with it. Yeah, I'm, I can understand that mindset. I've been conspicuously absent because this is one of the uh, many times I, I do show my age where it's like I try to have an open mind about every kind of game but there's something about mobile and you know um tablet games that i just i'm never comfortable playing them i would rather have buttons a controller a keyboard or mouse i need something like that in front of me i don't know why i can't get over that but it's just a weird hang-up i have and i and i don't know why i have it but it it does make me feel old like everyone i know is playing a mobile game i'm like i i just have twitter on my phone and you're certainly not alone. Um, I don't actually play a lot of games on my phone, with maybe the exception of um, the Calypso games. Um, I got Hatful Bo- Boyfriend on it. That's one I have to play. Uh, I've heard nothing but like crazy good things about that crazy-ass game. I was running a, a series for a little bit on the site. Um, iOS games for people who hate iOS. Mm, that's right. But, um, I mean, there are certainly good games on mobile. Don't get me wrong. Like, I on my iPad, I have The World Ends With You, which I think is superior to the DS version. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it ha- it's had bugs, and it's been broken at various points. But by and large, the game itself is fantastic. I love the HD art. Yeah. And uh, also, FTL is just fantastic on an iPad. It's pretty much the best way to play that game, in my opinion. Some people might disagree with me, but they really just killed it with the mobile interface. Mm-hmm. And what are what are the uh, things that these games have in common? Uh, they don't have microtransactions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, a lot of the like 
I, I'm used to microtransactions. I can work around them. They don't bother me, because I, I guess because I've been reviewing mobile games for so long. But a lot of my favorite uh, iPad slash iPhone games are the ones that you pay and you're done. That's what I prefer. I find that whenever I, I do, I've only played a few microtransaction-based games. Uh, the one of them was Tiny Tower. And I found that I, I was that. really just playing it out of spite. Like, no, F you. I'm not <laughs> giving you a damn dime. I am playing this for, for free for as long as I can. Like, And I was like, that's not a healthy relationship to have with a game. I made the mistake of playing Tiny Death Star. And I, I put a good 10, 15 hours into it before I realized that the game was ultimately pointless. Yeah, yeah. And there was just absolutely nothing to it. And I was like, oh, well, this game's a waste of my time. And then I deleted it. And I was better for it. Um, but I, in a weird way, I don't begrudge Square Enix making a mobile game. Um, because that's what people do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my friends are in mobile development. And it's like... It's a living, right? It is, and yeah, and they have to pay for the next five years of Final Fantasy fifteen. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> I, I, I do think that it, it really bothers me, though, that Square Enix is taking such a rich history, um, one of the most, honestly, one of the most beloved series in gaming history, and cashing in on it to that degree. And you might say, well, if they don't, they're stupid, but. Well, cashing there's something about it that just really rubs me the wrong way. Cashing in is a lot better than dumping it in the garbage can like Konami and Capcom. That's true. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, Kat, at all, but I do think you might be overestimating the prestige of the Final Fantasy name. I think things like Final Fantasy XIII and the Spirits Within and a lot of the mistakes Square made really tainted that brand to the point where Bravely Default could have just been Final Fantasy, whatever. But... That that you know IP was maybe a little risky for them, and they wanted to try something new. I feel like Final Fantasy is still struggling to get its reputation back to where it was in the '90s, where Square could do no wrong. I mean, I totally agree in that respect, and I agree that Final Fantasy is certainly a long way from the prestige that it had back in the '90s, when Final Fantasy VIII might have been the single biggest release of 1999. But at the same time, like you can't deny the amount of power that it still has over people. Oh yeah, no, especially I agree with you a primary numbered release and the amount of nostalgia that people have for the older games, right? I bought Final Fantasy some, IV so many times. <laughs> I mean, to some extent, like people look back on those games, like that's the untainted part of Final Fantasy. Uh, except then you start throwing Cyan and and Kane and all those guys, and it's like, ugh, really, I just. Stop throwing... I, I know you're cashing in on my nostalgia. I get it. That's like a huge business. That's what Star Wars does. Star Wars has made an entire like industry out of freaking nostalgia. But I, I sort of wish they wouldn't. Mm. Well, if uh, wishes were horses, you know. Yeah. You know how the rest goes. Yeah, I mean, well, but... In comparison... You don't have, I don't have to play it. I mean... <laughs> In comparison, I know it's not as popular here, but I feel like Dragon Quest has done a very good job with staying conservative and making the right choices and not having to be like, we need all these spinoffs to keep us afloat. Like, I feel like there have been a few iffy spinoffs, but at the same time, Dragon Quest uh, conservatism uh, has led to a much better reputation for that series, even though it's not as popular in America. Yeah, and I would actually say that there's something to be said for not kind of demeaning your your friend your like brand's history and i was going to use that word brand um because i mean look yeah look at dragon quest that's a great example actually of a series that is still held in very high regard by uh 
uh, by RPG fans. And yes, there have been, certainly there have been examples of Square Enix being cynical about the way that they've cashed in on the history. Um, I would argue that despite the fact that it's actually pretty good, um, Dragon Quest Heroes is actually fairly cynical. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe not to this extent. Um, I have not... Are there free-to-play mobile, like, Dragon Quest games? I haven't mm. seen one. Not to uh, my maybe they not, not in America, anyway. They haven't come out here. No, absolutely um, not. And so you kind of go, like, Square Enix looks at Dragon Quest and goes, this name still means something. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Final Fantasy, it's like, cash in on that sucker. <laughs> like, whatever. Who cares? Chocobos, Moogles, throw them in there. Uh, cloud. Can, how much more Cloud and Sephiroth can we throw in? Because people will always buy that stuff. That could be a result of so many of the original creators just not being there anymore. I mean, Yuji Hori still controls mm. Iron uh, Dragon Quest with an iron fist, and uh, Sakaguchi just shows up to be like, I support this product, you know, whenever they reveal <laughs> something out. Like, then he, then he cashes the check behind the stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, uh I'm going to say that... I I put it like, I I played it like a good chunk of the morning, actually, uh, just to see what it was like. And it was cute in some respects, but the microtransaction stuff is just too much for me. And I think I'm going to delete it. What about you, Nadia? Uh, Like I said, if you're into Record Keeper, then you have a good idea of how this one works as well in terms of uh, microtransactions, uh, free-to-play mechanics. And if you liked Record Keeper, I think you'll really like Exvius. Um, If you don't like Record Keeper, especially because of the me- those mechanics, don't even bother. There are a lot of people who like Record Keeper. There are. There are they it has it. a very big fandom. And uh, again, if you can deal with those free-to-play mechanics, like like I said, I'm kind of like used to them because I- I've been around them for so long, then by all means, uh, you, can find a- a lot of, you can find a lot of worth underneath all that hassle. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? People are used to them. They even expect them. Yeah, it's definitely basically. not all the bravest, right? Oh my god, nothing's all the bravest. Yeah. Thank god. Oh. <laughs> uh, I guess all the bravest was an even more cynical cash-in. They have learned. Wow. Uh, they have learned something. They have learned. Yes, absolutely. But maybe it's maybe it's not fair to be that harsh on Brave Exvius because, it, yeah, as you said, it's not all the bravest. So, <laughs> But at the same time, I'm every time they go to that microtransaction-based well... Uh, I, I feel like it's kind of my duty to call them out on that, and they deserve to be called out. But at the so. same time, it's like you think about it, well, they're charging full price or close to it for their remake, quote-unquote, of Final Fantasy VI and V, which they don't have microtransactions, but they're terrible, just you know, completely cynical, sloppy jobs on two very good RPGs. Well, they deserve to be called out for that, too. Um, if they... If they had put together a really good remake, so Final Fantasy V and VI, I would have bought them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, me too. Uh, especially after the treatment they gave uh, 3 and 4. Man. Yeah. It, yeah. Th- that, like, 4, um, the PSP version, I love that. That's my favorite version of the game. No, it's really good. And I like the DS version, really too. It really disappoints me. Yeah, the DS version's good for, like, a supplemental challenge. Yeah. In any case, uh, let's move on, actually. Um as long as we're being negative, yeah. wow, let's talk about Star Ocean. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, I mean, it, it's not the worst RPG you could ever play, but it, it's still not very good. And that's Star Ocean Integrity and Faithlessness, the most, con- like, uh, doesn't really roll off the tongue, that title, but uh, no, it is a Japanese game. But, uh, yeah. Integrity and Faithlessness? What's that? 
How much integrity does this game have? Is um, it an ethical game? I don't know about the integrity, but I don't have very much faith in Star Ocean anymore. <laughs> so they were right about one thing. Did you ever have faith in Star Ocean? Um, at some point I did. I, I was pretty much into the series uh, with 2 and 3, uh, but I mm. kind of only liked 2, just for how, how weird and sloppy and fun it was to play with all the strange mechanics. And the novel mechanics, which were completely new, like crafting, that was like such a weird, fun, new idea for RPGs, but now it's like every game has crafting. And I think uh, what Star Ocean's struggle now is, everything they did that was novel and revolutionary in the 90s is now just par for the course for Japanese RPGs and RPGs in general, and they have not found a way to make themselves distinct, and that is why Star Ocean just feels like a Tales game, and for for me, and it's cool if you like them, they're the most middle-of-the-road RPGs you could play. Like, every element is predictable, you know what's going to happen at every moment, no character is surprising, no mechanic is surprising, no system was surprising, it is just like it could be comforting to some people, but for me, it's like I have better things to do with my time, and there are just so many RPGs that it would be a very strange scenario if I chose Star Ocean out of all of the things I could possibly play in terms of RPGs. Well, I have a couple of counterpoints. Go for it. Uh, first, I think while there are a lot of... I would say that there are a fair, a fair number of anime-style RPGs coming out, um, it's not often... I would say that the kind of bigger budget, maybe more competent anime RPGs are fewer and further between. Um, this, I, I would say that this is a step above the the, the more budget style stuff. Um, oh, I agree. Your hyperdimension Neptunias of the world, and <laughs> in that regard, like if you're like really into that style of game, um, it's probably nice to have that, you know, even if it is just middle of the road. Yeah, I mean, you could do much worse, and I agree. Hyperdimension Neptunia, I have tried to play those games. They are just bad RPGs. Same with things like Fairy Fencer F. Any of those, like, you know, Tales-ish anime RPGs that aren't made by Namco or Square, like, those are kind of um, the bottom of the barrel in terms of that, that like, that, in, that interpretation of the JRPG. Well, what do you think of the story? Um, it is completely uninspired. It is like every JRPG you've ever played. There is a mysterious girl with amnesia with a mystical pendant, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> you can fill in the blanks yourself. <laughs> Guess where she's from? A hit a mystic society? Yes, probably. I, you know, it just it's every just every dumb cliche a JRPG could do, and that is why I was not very interested in it while I was playing it for the review. I'm like, could just please surprise me with something, and didn't really happen. Does a game have to surprise you to be worthwhile, though? I think there needs to be something you're not expecting. Um, some interesting mm. twist, some interesting piece of writing, especially when you are making a game like Star Ocean, because I feel like if if this game is really like the last hope for the series, and if this game was like barely happened, at least make it worthwhile. And that's what kind of frustrates me. Like, you barely got the chance to make this game, and I wanted so much for it to be good. I am not. I didn't go into it wanting to hate it. I was happy with what I played at the preview event, but just going into it, it's like, wow, this is just so unambitious, so uninspired, and for being what could be Star Ocean's last chance, I just feel like they kind of blew that chance. And maybe they were afraid of uh, making something risky. Maybe they wanted to be safe, and if so, they... They 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 met their goal because this is an extremely safe RPG. Well, it seems like Star Ocean was the game that they could pitch um, the publisher on. Yeah, because when you ask them about 
uh, Valkyrie Profile, they're always like, well, uh, we don't know if Valkyrie Profile has an audience, but Star Ocean definitely does. Hmm. I'm like, well, apparently it does. Okay, like, people are still really into this series. I think a lot of people were really into Star Ocean till the end of time. Um, because uh, would would you say that that was kind of the peak of the series? I really think, too, is the peak of the series. I think um, not just in terms of story, but they made some bad choices with three. Like, they made the crafting much more uh, prescribed and not as fun and experimental, which is one of the real reasons I love two. And uh, with a certain story choice they made in three that I won't spoil, even though it's a 13-year-old game, they kind of basically dismissed everything that happened in the Star Ocean universe up to that point, which kind of felt insulting to people who like the series. But I will admit it was a more interesting choice than what I did see in Star Ocean Five. What did you think of the battle system? Uh, it sounds like you were fairly positive on the the battle system. Actually, it's very talesy. It's fine. It's fun. It's super simple. It's. Super... I mean, that's Trius's mo, right? I mean, they always kind of have done the the actiony type system. They've they've done uh, action based systems a little smarter than this though. I like I feel like Valkyrie Profile uh, one and two, Resonance of Fate, which is sort of like an amped up version of Valkyrie Profile two. Those are much better than this, and this system is built around a paper scissors rock, you know, thing like in Fire Emblem, where certain attacks can counter other attacks. But there's so much visual chaos in the battles, and the enemies don't give you enough tells for when to Ooh. respond to their attacks, which is my problem with Final Fantasy XV, and I hope they fix that, but it just really feels almost like a like a, a Dynasty Warriors or Musou game, where it's like, I'm just hitting the same button over and over. It doesn't really matter if I get inventive with my attacks, because the game will just let me mash buttons. And um, it's, it's still fun to fight enemies, but I didn't feel like I was doing anything different in my 10th hour of the game from my like first hour of the game. So it doesn't really scale up or become very interesting as you level up and everything? Not really. I mean, there's there's character building systems in which you take on different roles, which build your stats in different ways, but nothing I really did with the characters seemed to have a direct effect, and I'm sure, like, you know, of course leveling them up over time makes them stronger, but I was waiting for my choices to have some sort of, like, measurable effects in front of me, and they never really did, and that's that was another disappointing mm. thing. Again, I'm being very negative. There are much worse RPGs RPGs, but this is sort of like the like middle of the road. I gave it a 2.5 out of 5, which is the most middle of the road score you can give it as well. Like There are good things in this game. There are fun points in this game, but it does feel incredibly uninspired at the same time. Well, what did you end up liking about it? Uh, the music is really good, <laughs> if I could say that. <laughs> and I mean, again, in the battle system is... It's it's more fun than just getting into a turn-based battle system and mashing the attack button. Um, the battles are over really quick. Uh, this game is very forward-thinking for a Japanese RPG, and by forward-thinking, I mean like game design as of 10 years ago, where when you fight enemies on the uh, world map, you don't go to a separate screen. The battle UI just pops up around you, and the battle starts. Um, another good thing about the game is they don't stop, they rarely stop you to tell you the story. Usually the story is told to you while you're walking somewhere or while you're doing another action. So, you, so you're not just, you know, dividing your time between playing and watching the story. And the game has a, for a JRPG, and, and this is what I love about it, it has a very, very fast start. Like by minute five, 
you are fighting in battles and the main threat is introduced, by minute 10 you're out on the world map. Like This game wastes no time in getting right to the action, and I think that that is a very great choice for an RPG to make. And I'm hoping Persona 5, when that eventually comes out, does not give me the 5 or 6 hour intro that Persona 4 did, because I, I don't have the <laughs> patience for that. I will have the patience for it, I will sit through for, for a Persona 5, but man, I, I love how fast Starshin gets you into things. I think looking bigger picture, um, this is a PlayStation 4 game. And it's actually a PS3 the, game as well, and the PS4 one does mm-hmm. not look like very much work was done to it to make it look like a PS4 game. In fact, there are there's a little bit of frame rate issues, which is very strange because it is a somewhat mm-hmm. plain-looking game with not a lot of complex things happening. Well, I was just going to say that the PlayStation 4 has been out for a few years now, but it hasn't had that many... JRPGs of note to this point. Um, Valkyria Chronicles, like the HD remaster of Valkyria Chronicles, jumps up immediately. I think all the uh, notable Grand RPGs Kingdom. are uh, remakes of uh, other things. Or the Tales or games. Yeah. Uh, there's been a Tales game, at least one Tales game. Um, Final Fantasy 15 is finally coming out this year. Persona 5 is coming out next year. So there are games coming. But for people who really like this style of game, like I would understand feeling kind of starved on next generation consoles. I mean, yeah, you could play Final Fantasy X HD, but maybe you played that 10 years ago. Uh, personally, I don't have a ton of interest in Star Ocean. I, I think my main interest in Star Ocean, this version of Star Ocean, is that I hope that it, enough people buy it that it convinces Trius to go and make Valkyrie Profile, or that it funds Valkyrie <laughs> Profile. But uh, I guess we'll see, right? Um but I, I'm sort of hesitant to dismiss it because it doesn't do anything new. Because I think that there are few enough games on the PlayStation 4 in particular, in this particular style, that just having a JRPG can be kind of okay. That is true, but at the same time, I, I don't want the bar to be that low for, uh, you know... I mean... yeah. I don't think that's necessarily setting the bar low because it still has to execute. And while you point out really salient points um, about what it does wrong or does poorly, um, I think it's still competent, right? I mean, nobody's going to say that this is an outright awful yes, game. Yes, uh, right? I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, our scores are. I think. Um, I think we, we we score things pretty realistically, and some people might be used to seeing higher scores for things that aren't that great. A 2.5 out of 5 is the most average game you can have on our site, and um, this game aspires to be average, and it, it meets that goal. But I want something more from an RPG. And it's not just that I'm mad it doesn't do anything new. I feel it has no identity anymore because... Again, the things Star Ocean used to do that were novel are things every RPG does, and I wish it thought of something new and novel to tack onto this game that would make it have that Star Ocean identity, because they were always known as these oddball RPGs that had fun systems and weird ideas that maybe didn't work, but they were still fun to play with, but now Star Ocean is kind of indistinguishable from a Tales of game. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, in space. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you're uh, in space, right, in this one? I mean, with any Star Ocean game, they, they dabble with sci-fi, but they mostly stick to fantasy It's with some sci-fi flair. And um, I think that's always been the biggest missed opportunity with the series, yeah. is that 
And God knows we have enough fantasy RPGs, but take me into space. Exactly. Like, give me an anime game in space that where I'm commanding my own starship and everything. And I guess the one um, the one thing that stands out about this game is it does have one of the most embarrassing uh, costumes for a female character I've had the displeasure of watching <laughs> for quite some time. And I'm not a prude. I it's cool when characters are sexy, but this this costume is so just pandering it's embarrassing to watch and i pointed that out in my, in my review like i wish i would pay this game to censor this character because i don't want to see this <laughs> i don't want my girlfriend to laugh at me every time she walks by when i'm playing this game it's not just because of that it is it is embarrassing for me to watch it's like this is doing nothing for me like why is this here like choices like that uh, always make me scratch my head is, because is it the girl with the the green hair and the, the checkerboard skirt the checkerboard checkerboard look? uh dress in which Ha- all the checker squares are just flesh, and uh, this game strangely is that flesh, or is it like a body stock? It's it's flesh. I can't really tell. It's totally flesh. Oh, and so she's uh, like an alien or something. Yeah, this this game has some strange elements like this where That's um, how she breathes. Yeah, yeah, there is an in-game excuse for it, which I think is bullshit. But um, there are really strange, like, pandering choices in this game that I feel like don't fit with Star Ocean in general. The Star Ocean I like and know, where you see a lot of the characters' panties, even when you're not trying to. Like, I could tell you what ca- what color each of the female characters' panties are, and I wasn't looking for them. And I'm like, why? Why is this so easy to see? I, I just, I mean, I feel like that was intentional. That was baked into the game for otaku's to get their jollies, but. It doesn't need to be there. It does. It doesn't do anything. I just feel like you're just only making it worse by pandering to people like this. But that's not the. That, I mean, whatever. I mean, that's just my own problem with the game. But it is a thoroughly average game, and I don't recommend it. And I and I wish Star Ocean the best. And I love Triace, and I hope they can still do good things. I love Lightning Returns. That was one of their games. I love Resonance of Fate. But in this game, they were aspiring aspiring to competency, and this game is merely competent. Yeah, I, it feels like Star Ocean is that game that they make when they need to make some money. Um, at this point, whereas they they seem a little more willing to go off the beaten path with their other games when they do actually make them. It's, it's been a while since we've had like a true Tri-Ace game come around. Though we got another one coming out not too long from now, actually, I think. But, oh, what yeah, is that? Um, Star Ocean. Uh, and, when you were like complaining about Star Ocean, I said joking, half jokingly to you, the secret is that Star Ocean's never been good, oh. and uh, it doesn't seem like this really kind of raises the bar on the series. So I'll yeah, ask. I mean, I was trying to play devil's advocate, but what no, are you going to do? I agree with you, Kat. I don't think it's ever been great, but at least it was novel, and it's no longer novel. And Trius is a very hit and miss developer. I've hated a lot of their games, while I've loved a lot of their games. Like I feel like it's not like they can do no wrong, but. I know what they're capable of, and I'd rather take a bad experimental game than just a thoroughly average, uninspiring game like like this one. Any comments, Nadia? I've never played Star Ocean, and I can't say I really have any plans to in the near future. <laughs> you should. I think Fair you would enough. like two, actually, Nadia. Knowing knowing the kind of games you like, I think two would be up your alley. It has it again, that, like like an RPG from that era. It has like a five hour opening, but once you you know hit that world map, it's fun. I remember it being kind of weird. Uh, and there's a PSP version. Like, they ported it to PSP. Did that ever come out here? Yeah, they actually... Uh, the remakes of 1 and 2 did come out here on PSP in, like, 2010 or 2011. I remember that when 2 came out on the PlayStation, um, it, it caught my attention, but it got... Its reviews were kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it was the localization or the bugs. 
might have been one of the two. Yeah. But in any case, uh, well, Star, Star Ocean, Ocean 1 and 2 might be the single best way to play those games at this point is on the PSP. Yeah, I recommend too. get it's, a hold of those copies. It's dated, yeah. but it's weird in a fun way. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's never been it's great. It's kind of like the old Tales games, like the original Tales of Destiny. Yeah, dated, never, but in a fun way. I was never a Tales fan, so probably part of it there too. Yeah, I feel like that series are. has taken the same trajectory as Star Ocean. It just it used to be fun and novel, but now it's just aspiring to be average. And it's cool if you like those games, but I want a little more from uh, the RPGs I play because an RPG is yeah, time consuming. But, but Tale, the Tales series is definitely cut above Star Ocean. Oh I think. yeah, in, just in terms of, I mean, a graphics, um, like the art in Tales is. N- obviously a lot better yeah there are some seriously um, uncanny valley crap happening in this new star ocean i did not write about in my review like just these tales dead eyes knows what it's tales knows what its fans want which is anime comedy in rpg form mm-hmm. so and it does that right yeah and, um, and tales star is ocean like, um, is kind of it doesn't really have an identity anymore it's not even like necessarily sci-fi it's Another JRPG? So. I think Tales has really cut itself a new identity as an RPG series for women um, in that mm, it's aspiring sure. to you know present uh, you know sexy men. Like There's a lot of sexy male characters in Tales now, and I feel I hear that it has a really a large female audience compared to other RPGs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's just... The, the, I don't have a ton of love for the Tales series, but I, I respect that it's fun and cute and has a a really light touch for the most part um and it looks really good so i mean that's kind of all i really ask out of the tales series even if holy crap the names in that game uh the tales series mm-hmm. like I, I don't even know what a berseria is supposed to be but then again <laughs> i didn't know what Brazier. a berseria was either so <laughs> i was about to say let's move on yes. uh, let's stop being so negative uh, this podcast has been I really negative so far Let's be positive now. Let's talk about the best RPGs that have come out so far this year. I can do that. And for my money, the best RPG to come out so far this year... uh, I was going to highlight Fire Emblem Fates. I I think that that's definitely way up there. But man, did I end up loving Dark Souls 3. That game was... When I play that game, mm. it is just a cut above just so many other games in terms of its action, in terms of uh, the community, in terms of how it feels to explore, the the level design, just all the way through. I, I didn't think that I would end up liking Dark Souls 3, but it got its hooks into me really good, and... It's just really remarkable how From Software has just managed to keep this fresh year after year after year. Um, what are your thoughts, Bob? I do think it's great. It feels like the most refined uh, take on Dark Souls to date, and I and I still love two, and I will still stick stick up for two. But I do like three a lot, and what it does, and it it definitely left me feeling fulfilled. Um, 
a lot of people don't like how fan servicey it is, and they're coming down pretty hard on that aspect of the of the game. But I feel yeah, like it's supposed to be the like the endpoint for the series, right? Yeah, I mean, there have been conflicting reports on that, but. Yeah, they're calling back to everything that's come before because this might be the end. And my theory is, I mean, we've we've had so many of these from software RPGs. Like, why can't it just have fun for once? Is it, is that so wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we why are we so serious about Dark Souls? Like, oh, it's so pandering to the fans and blah blah blah. But like, the references are pretty buried for newcomers. Like, I feel like those those fan servicey things in the game are there for people that have stuck through the series to the end and are just like little rewards like hey this friend is back or hey this item is here and and I feel like they could have made more creative choices yes but I don't think there's a problem with letting Dark Souls have fun for one game spending a lot of time with Dark Souls 3 I had forgotten just how much there is to find in your average Dark Souls game oh yeah Uh, I mean just in terms of like walking up to character like meeting characters right like you have like multiple arcs happening behind the scenes but it doesn't really bludgeon them you with them and you might not even know that they're there unless you're kind of looking for them no in fact you really need to use uh wikipedia or wikis to uh unless you you will you will fail every quest maybe maybe you will do one right on accident but these ones are super arcane and the secrets are super buried in Dark Souls 3. I love that you can get one of your shopkeepers killed if you don't recognize that you have to do certain things before you send them out. Yeah. But then they bring back nice items if you do. But mm-hmm. like the I think that's how you get this Vihander, which I don't actually like that sword, but uh, my question I, is, uh, do we start with Bloodborne, or do you can you just jump right into uh, Dark Souls 3, or you start with the first you one? You can pick up, to be perfectly honest, just pick up any of them. Um, I mean, you could pick up Dark Souls on PC right now, and it'd be really great. Um, Dark Souls 2 on PS4 might actually be a really good choice. Yeah, that's um, my suggestion for a starting point. Um, not the Scholar would, of the First Sin Edition, that though. That's, that's made extra hard for really? people who have already played it. Vanilla Dark Souls mm-hmm. 2 really is the best entry point. It's the most forgiving game and the most friendly game, but it still offers a very yeah, healthy challenge. Yeah, but that's on 360 and PS3. Um, so, I mean, if you have a high-end PC, you can play those. But yeah. Scholar of the First Sin might be the only real entry point if you have console. Yeah. Um, but another thing that I observed about Dark Souls 3 is Man, that game is so pretty on PC. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. And I know people in the comments are going to blast us for saying something is better on PC, but it can happen, and it did happen with Dark Souls uh, 3. <laughs> I mean... I'm so glad that yeah. I decided... Like, okay, so... Uh, I know that... I, I'm just... I know that I'm going to get a comment <laughs> from a certain listener, and I'm just like, whatever. Um, I, I, I finally invested in a gaming PC a couple years ago, and it... That that's definitely high end gaming, right? That not everybody has fifteen hundred bucks lying around exactly, to go yeah, and we're build one. But oh my god, what a good decision that was! Yeah. Because Dark Souls three and the PC is just gorgeous. The only problem, and this is the only problem that I've had, and it's certainly worth calling out, is the hacking problem. And yes. it, oh, right. it was a huge problem for quite a while, and, and it was a real drag. You know, it it really stinks that. This seems to happen with every Souls game, is that these giant, horrible bugs end up rearing their ugly head. And it was especially acute on the PC version of Dark Souls 3, where you had like people like invading people's games and then getting them accidentally ba- banned <laughs> yes. because they're interacting with hacked for, uh, items. For me, so I, I have, 
one of the first articles I think I wrote for US Gamer was a story about that happening to me in Dark Souls 1 where I had like an end of the game uh, character. I, I was going towards the end of the game and then someone invaded um, and they somehow like reduced all of my stats and like kicked me to this area that I couldn't escape from. So like they took away my levels, they took away my stats, and they like banished me to an area that I couldn't get out of. And I'm like, why? I didn't even know someone could do this, oh. and now this entire save is ruined because I I so wasn't mean. like backing up my saves. It's crazy that they can do that, given that I mean it's a remote server, right? They should be able to conser- control everything server side. But I think that game is actually P to P connections for Dark Souls One, which was a huge problem. It's, oh, that's why it's. Yeah. Still, so difficult to um, find people to play with online, and I, I hope to God they make a a modern version of update to that will that will have a, a like a central server or central servers for playing with people. I'm talking about the original Dark Souls. Original Dark Souls, right? Yeah, that was the, that was the player player to player connection one. Um, I, I loved joining up with. Um, the, God, I can only I can only think of them as the Sun Bros, but. <laughs> I forget what their actual name is. I think Praise the Sun. The sun um, I love well. just going and helping people uh, kill bosses. I mean, that's so much fun too. Oh, yeah, it's a cliche, but I, I'm, a, I'm a Sun Bro as well. Oh, and there's so many, um, so many great boss battles in that game. Um, like this, as usual, the scale is unparalleled. I love the multiple parts um, for most of the boss battles. Um, it really hits it out of the park with some of the later ones. Um, what was it? The the Nameless King? Was that the name uh, of one of the later ones? Yes, one of the ex- just, extremely, extremely hard uh, bosses. Extremely hard. Oh my god, that, that boss battle just kicked me into the floor. But <laughs> also, um, one of the first uh, barriers that you run into, the, the, the dancing, the demon hunters, or what are they called? Um... I'm forgetting, but where you're fighting multiple versions, and then like one oh. of them will come out and like attack the, each other, and that is really a trial by fire then, moment for Dark Souls. Like your typical, like sure. you have to beat this boss because if not, you're screwed. Like this is how hard the game's going to get. Oh, well, here's the here's the real kicker. I showed up to that boss battle out of order. Oh, me too. Um, I yeah, I hadn't done. I hadn't done the other two uh, boss battles, which are much much easier, and. I somehow won um, because I called in, like I called in help. But in the second part of that battle, they died, uh. and I was like, "Oh crap, I'm screwed." But I had done it enough that, like, I had a really good feel for it at that point, and I managed to just barely win. And oh my god, the feeling of triumph when I pulled it off was so great. And the battle itself, I mean, it's gorgeous. Like the way that they're using fire in that game. Um, but yes, uh, it's almost a cliche at this point to praise Dark Souls. Like, <laughs> you hipster. But there's a grain of truth, right? I mean, there's a reason that this game commands such a loyal audience and God. such uh, critical praise every single year. There, and there, there, I had kind of forgotten that, but there was a kind of backlash, though. And I try to be v- fairly conservative with how often I compare things to Dark Souls, but. Whenever you so much as mention it, people get outraged. Like, not everything has to be Dark Souls, but at the same time, Dark Souls <laughs> makes so many smart choices that it, it's hard to not hold it up as, like, here's what this game does right that other games should be doing. Not in terms of difficulty or themes or storytelling, but just, like, you know, mechanics and ideas and things like that. Like, I feel like there's a reason why people point to Dark Souls so often and why even things like um, the new Zelda games seem to be taking off some of what Dark Souls did. 
Yeah, when I pick up that series, I mean, there I, I play so many games now. Um, it's rare that I can just pick up a game and immediately settle in, and it's got its hooks in me to the point where, like, I don't want to put it down for, like, six hours, right? I mean, a lot of the time, like, I burn out on a game, I need to take a break, whatever, but Dark Souls is just one of those games that can keep me playing for a long time, and I've especially had fun, um, yeah, it's true that you really want to spend a lot of time on wikis and everything, kind of figuring out how to min-max your character, like, discover all the side quests and everything, uh, but I find that rewarding because there, it just means that there's so much to find in this game, right? Uh, I, that I have absolutely no problem uh, trolling through wikis. If anything, I prefer games where I spend a lot of time reading through the wikis and like doing research and everything. Uh, I'm doing that with Hearts of Iron 4 right now. Mm-hmm. This is a big war game. Uh, I If a game isn't big enough to have its own wiki that I'm going to be checking on, um, I in some respects, I almost don't want to play it. Yes. But... Yeah, Dark Souls 3, as usual, really good. Um, but next year, we might not have a From Software game, so it's going to be kind of interesting. I know, they're uh, not taking, certainly, yeah. I know they're not taking a break like from development, but it's good that they're trying new things outside of Dark Souls now. Mm-hmm. Unless they're making Bloodborne 2, <laughs> which is pretty likely. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, Sony just dropped the bomb Bloodborne 2 at uh, the PlayStation Experience or whatever they do. Um, in December, yeah. I mean that would be such a perfect like one-two punch of Bloodborne two and Final Fantasy seven remake in twenty seventeen. Uh, that I, would get people hyped. I up. could see that. That's still, I think, the best console exclusive of this generation, and I might be stealing that from you, Cad. I think you've said that as well. Maybe uh, Persona five is coming just around the corner. Ah, oh, there you go. But that's not a console so, exclusive. I, yeah, it is. It's on two it's not consoles. Be on PC. But it's a console exclusive. It's on Sony's, ex- uh, Sony's uh, platform I see. I see you changing the guidelines, moving the goalposts. Moving the goalposts. <laughs> I don't see it on Microsoft. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Unless it is. No, it's totally not. No, it's not on the Xbox <laughs> Wait one. a minute. Give no, me a break. What is it? Am I talk- no, no, I'm not. <laughs> all right. Nadia, you've been kind of quiet this episode. What is your favorite RPG so far this year? Uh, I am really torn on that one because I've had so many unorthodox RPG experiences. Like, um, I loved Stardew Valley. Uh, I've stopped playing for now, but I'm sure once it updates, um, I'll be right back into it. Uh, I also have been really, really digging uh, Odin Sphere, which we mm. I actually played just for this podcast uh, a few weeks ago. And I just kind of went back to it, and I just got really addicted to it. I'm still not done. I'm 30 hours in. How uh, far are you? Oh, which story are you on? Uh, I am on Valentine's Story. Okay. Um, mm. I'm not sure how much further I've got to go, but I, I've only filled out four of the seven stars, so uh, I figure I'm still a little bit for a little bit off. Um, I'm actually going to write a bigger piece about why I it just clicks with me, but it's kind of it's hard to explain. It's kind of everything. Just I I, I like um, Hyrule Warriors, Dragon Quest, Heroes, stuff like that. So I like those kind of hack and slash. You know, put away your brain for a few minutes and play games, but. Mm-hmm. Just something about the whole experience feels good, not to mention that it looks really good, it sounds good, uh, once you turn off the English voices. Um, <laughs> story is... <laughs> the story is kind of very... It is kind of fairy ish but it's supposed to be. Uh, but it still has enough twists to keep you going, and uh, there's also a cat named Socrates. So that, yes. that just Oh my god, and that cat is so cute! Oh, I can't get mm-hmm. enough of that dumb cat. <laughs> I... 
I it's such a minor minor little touch, but I love that as you unlock different books that are lying around on the ground and that you actually have to pick them up and drag them over to the the chair, the big overstuffed yeah. book. Because it reminds me of when I was honestly growing up and like I would look at my parents' bookshelf and it would be full of stuff like you know, like North and South and yes, my parents had North and South in the house <laughs> and War and Peace and like all of these different books. And I used to stare at them and like kind of fascination and like pull them down and page through them. And I, I guess like that really reminds me of that particular thing, which is a very warm memory to me. Yeah. So uh, and Odin Sphere Left for Zero is full of those little touches. But it really is. It's a very it's a very warm game. Um it's uh like I said, it takes itself a little seriously, but it's supposed to. I really can't... It's it's not the kind of game you can hate by any means. Like, you just can't think ill of it. I mean, it takes itself seriously, but at the same time, there's a traveling kitchen with, like, um, rabbit people I or know. something. Oh my god, that food. Has anyone done a cookbook on Odin Sphere food? Because, <laughs> holy moly. Any vanillaware I mean, game... And you're, like, sitting there daintily eating. Well, when you're Valkyrie, anyway. Any vanillaware um, game is, like, obsessed with food. But I'm, I played a bit of this for a preview, and my favorite thing about it is it fixed the horrible, horrible frame rate issues that basically made it unplayable for me. I... And I believe someone pointed out to me on Twitter, maybe a few people, that it was actually a bug in the U.S. Uh, edition of the game where um, something happened, and that is why there are such horrendous frame rate issues, but now those are no longer even oh. an issue. Um, and the game looks so beautiful and it runs so beautiful, and I, I, did, I did give up on it because it was just so slow and swimmy during those boss fights um, to the point where I was like, how did they even release this? Because And it just felt like a missed opportunity, but now I'm just so glad to see that it's back and in good shape and um, with some new refinements. Yeah. It's uh it's obviously a giant um it, it's obviously pretty good. Um I, I'm gonna make an admission and say that I ran out of gas on it. Yeah, I, I can ended totally up putting it away. I can totally understand why, because it is repetitive. And if you're not into like those Muso games, like I can I can understand why you might just kinda petter out. Yeah, I, I think that for some people it'd be like you know, like it's relaxing, right? It is. Uh, I find it very just, relaxing to play. And it's so gorgeous, and it's, um, I mean, it's, it's not like there's nothing to it, right? Mm-hmm. And especially, and it's not like it doesn't have variety, especially as you unlock new characters, and you build up your skill tree, um, and, and have new abilities and everything. Like, that's all cool, but I I think I would have kept going if I had gotten a lot more in the way of new enemies and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the fact that, like, I could handle fighting through the same dungeons, but fighting the same bosses quickly got to be a bit of a drag. Yeah, yeah. I really hate that airship. That's uh, <laughs> airship. that's the other reason why I stopped playing the PS2 version, where with some games, it's like, oh, uh, I've seen everything you're going to show me. I'm cool. I'm, I'm good with you, game. It, we left on amicable terms. I was like, oh, yeah. I see what you're going to do, and I don't want to do any more of this, but I had fun with what, with what you gave me, and we're cool now, so... I, I yeah I don't I don't know if that repetition would still bother me but it sounds like it might. Mm-hmm. That was me in Grand Kingdom to be honest. Mm. Um, I got to a certain point in that game and I was like hmm yeah hmm I I don't really feel like going on anymore. <laughs> I finished I finished the main quest and I got into like the the faction specific stuff and like I built up a really good team and I had done all like the online stuff and I was like okay so at this point it's continuing to grow my team until like it's nine level 99 yeah which is a lot of freaking <laughs> grinding that would be holy moly 
<laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if there's like that extra layer that's going to keep me playing. Right, of course. And when that extra layer is gone, like, like I'm busy. I, I got other games to play. Sorry. We don't yes, have the luxury um, of adult. lingering on one game anymore. No, which is a drag. I know a lot of, there are plenty of people who would be like, I bought this game. It's going to give me a lot of enjoyment. I don't care, whatever. Like, I'm just going to keep playing this game. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am not in that place. But I'm glad that you're enjoying Odin Sphere. I'm, I'm glad that it speaks to you. And uh, I, I think that it's especially good on Vita, actually. Like, I think this is a, a phenomenal game to play on the Vita. I know you're playing in the PS4, yeah, right? Yeah, but, but I can see why it would be a really great commute game. Especially if the person oh, next God, to you on so the bus good. is being an idiot. <sighs> pretending it's great you. Way, <laughs> great way to pass the time on a, pl- on a plane. Oh, it would be. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bob, favorite RPG this so far this year? Well, you stole my choice, Kat, so I have to, I have to cheat a little, that's okay. Is that okay? Can I cheat? Because I've, I've recently oh, fallen back in love with a game uh, that is... It's an MMO, so it's always new, because there's always new content. It's uh, Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. And I've been, I've been writing oh, about yeah. it uh, somewhat recently on the site just because it's been this game I sort of just leave on in the background, and it's there when I want to take a break. And MMOs are kind of perfect for that, since you, you, you wait in line to do certain things, like do certain dungeons or boss fights. So I'll wait in line, and then I'll be working, and then when the boss fight pops up, it's like, oh, I can take a 10-minute break and fight this boss. So it's really, like, given me a chance to, like, ha- have be, like, be interacting with games all day in some form, which is something I think is important to stay grounded. Because, like, sometimes you just go a week without playing games, and it's like, I'm, I'm writing about games, I should be playing them, you know, at some point. Yeah, that always makes me a little stressed out when I'm like going, oh, crap, uh, I'm like totally involved in this game, but I can't stream about it. And I've already written a whole bunch about it. Yeah. And, oh, no. <laughs> and I do want to point out, and, and I've wrote, I wrote last year a, uh, an article, I think it's called Why Final Fantasy XIV Matters, and you can look that up on the site. And I feel like um, I was guilty of this, too. I was very snobbish about MMORPGs. I, I tried getting into them. I found them exploitive. I found them boring. I found the the world's not very interesting. But something about Final Fantasy sorry something about Final Fantasy fourteen really clicked with me. A lot of it is the nostalgia that um, Square is guilty of with their mobile games. Of course, it is fun to see all of these things you like represented in a new world in very pretty graphics and things like that. But it's also just a very very well designed RPG, and I feel like this is the best Final Fantasy has been for me at least since probably Final Fantasy IX. Like, I feel like this is the best-made Final Fantasy game that not a lot of Final Fantasy fans even care about, and I find that to be kind of sad. And again, I was there with you. I was a snob about MMORPGs, but this one just feels just so worthwhile and such a perfect, like, just a perfect expression of Final Fantasy in a slightly different form than you're used to. Will you run me through some of the content in that game? Oh yeah, I can be your Final Fantasy fourteen coach. I, I mean, I had people help me, and um, it is a very straightforward game. There's a lot they don't tell you, which is helpful to know if uh, you know people playing the game. But I feel like if the idea of MMO intimidates you, this was literally the first MMO I played for more than a day. And I find I found myself just falling into it and learning everything very quickly. So it is very beginner friendly, but it, there's a huge amount of depth to it. And right now I'm playing the post game pre expansion content. I'm having the most fun because the boss fights are super hard, and you have to memorize patterns and mechanics, and all this stuff goes into them. Where in the core game, it's really hard to die. It's really hard to wipe an entire party. But with these extreme challenges and these remix dungeons, I'm finding all my lim- all my abilities pushed to the limits, and I'm I'm really being rewarded for learning so much about how this game works. 
What were you saying, Nadia? Oh, it's definitely a, a a game I really need to check out because it does. From what little I know of it, it really does strike me as like a very good game for those of us who love the old Final Fantasy. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you were talking earlier, Bob, about Final Fantasy, like like its name kind of being reduced, like its reputation, like it, uh, definitely since Final Fantasy thirteen and like all of the hardships and everything. I, I feel like Final Fantasy fourteen was when it kind of turned things around a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely rose in the esteem of, well, maybe not rose, but kind of, I mean, it had a win. Finally, the series had a win again. Yeah, absolutely. Which After, was, yeah. and that wasn't based on the old stuff, that was no. based on the new stuff. And it was finally like, oh, okay, this game gets it. And not only that, but they like salvaged just an utter disaster. Yes. I mean, I mean what a turnaround. But what a fancy, turnaround. Uh, Still. 14, A Realm Reborn is sort of like the Hail Mary pass of the um, Final Fantasy series in which they turned it around in such a miraculous way. They took the parts from an extremely bad game and made an extremely good game out of them. And um, yeah, it is it is so good. If you're a Final Fantasy fan, I say at least try it for a free weekend or whatever. And even if you don't think you'll like MMOs, I, I think you'll find yourself falling in love with this game. The music is great. The characters are great. Um, you can make so many different looking kinds of characters. The worlds are great. The dungeons are fun. The boss fights are amazing. There's so much fan service that does not feel pandering. It feels like a natural part of the world. I, I just... Um, I, I play it in like in like small chunks. Like I'll, I'll go a month or two without playing it while, while I'm paying for it, which is probably a mistake, but whenever I find myself returning to it, it's hard to tear myself away because there's just so much to do and it is it speaks to the inner Final Fantasy fan in me that's been kind of sad for the past 15 years. <laughs> or decade. I think that if I had more time, I would totally play it. Yeah, it's um, a matter of time for me, too. Yeah. I don't have 400 hours to burn on this thing. <laughs> but, but it, but, is, it um, is a very good... I mean, it certainly yeah. has always had me interested, you know? Mm-hmm. But again, it is a very fun game to just have idle, where it's like, I'll just do something for 10 minutes, and then I'll go back to work. Like, if you work from home mm. like us, and you probably don't have the that luxury listener at your job, maybe you can sneak it, but it is a fun game yes, to just... With like, our high-end gaming PCs, yeah. and working from home, Actually, I mean, our lives are so hard. You don't really need a high-end PC for this game, because it, it ran fine on my old PC from so? 2010. It's certainly um, a lot better looking than, say, um, World of Warcraft, which oh, will yeah. actually run on everything. But yeah, no, um, yeah, no, good call out, Final Fantasy XIV, and it it has more content on the way, like really yeah. soon. Yeah, there's always new updates. Like I haven't even touched the expansion that I bought. I'm like, God, I'm still going through this game's content. There's just so much to do. It's basically just me going through the backlog of everything they've added to it over the past three years. And I've, it just, I've been having so much fun. And all your favorites are there. There's Gilgamesh. There's Tonberries. There's Moogles. Every Final Fantasy thing you love is there. And I'm playing a Dragoon, and my, my end-of-the-game armor, I basically look like Kane from Final Fantasy IV. And that is Sweet. my main selling point. Like, make me look like Kane. Um, and I'm there. Turn Naoki Yoshida on a new Final Fantasy game. Like, let that man make a new Final Fantasy, because I bet Final Fantasy 16 would be really freaking good under his watch. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing what he will do outside of an MMO, but at the same time, I don't want him to leave 14. I want 14 to be around for a while. And he doesn't seem to want to leave. Like, he seems to love that series so much. Yeah, he gives great interviews, by the way. I think we have a few on the site that I've done with yeah. him. He, he appreciates... When they were promoting Final Fantasy XIV, they were bringing him over. And he obviously really cared. Yeah. Uh, like, he was a fan. 
And, it's, and I, I really respected that. It's great when you have an interview with a developer and they take notice of that the fact that you actually care and they become more invested in talking to you. And that's him in a nutshell. I'm looking at the screenshot from the original release of A Realm Reborn and the the updated version, and it's shocking. <laughs> My God. Wow. Man, they really turned that around. All right. So, I mean, we highlighted a few games, but there are a few other RPGs worth mentioning. Um, I just started Sharp FE, actually, um, which has actually been getting a, some buzz on Twitter, which has been kind of heartening. Um, I, I will say that I, I'm on the fence about it so far. It, it, it seems okay. Um, <laughs> to me, it seems like an this? appetizer for Persona 5. Like, this is kind yeah. of what Persona 5 will be. We didn't have time to make a super mm. thorough RPG, but just kind of just play this and pass the time with this until Persona 5 comes out. Here's what's bugging me about it. I mean, aside from the fact that its soundtrack is surprisingly limp hmm. for a music-based game, um, it feels low-budget, um, it, it, which is... I guess it kind is. of like uh, okay. I mean, it is, but like it, it feels like it. And then I, I feel like it's maybe missing something. And I, I think I need to play more. But like one of the things I really like about SMT, for example, is recruiting demons and like fusing them and everything. And if this game is missing them, and I have to check to see if it is in fact missing them. Um, I'm afraid that it's going to lose like one of the things that really makes SMT stand out. But I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to see how it how I feel about it. Um, I, I think that the presentation's really nice for the most part. So, um, and I like the sessions. But we will see. Um, I, I feel kind of bad about glossing over Fire Emblem Fates now. <laughs> did you? How much did you end up playing with that, Bob? Oh boy, I only played a few hours of it, and I, and I really need to get back to it because I, I did I did buy the game. I'm like, I want this. Everyone likes it, but so much stuff came up, and I got sidetracked. But I, I do plan on returning to it one day. It's on my 3DS downloaded, so it'll always be there for me. But um, I was impressed by what I saw, and I am a I am a baby when it comes to Fire Emblem. I like strategy RPGs, but I, I hate how punishing Fire Emblem typically was for me when yeah. I tried it. So I did get the baby version, and I was enjoying that for what it was, and I, I hope to go back to Birthright? Birthright, yeah. I, I say baby yeah. version in a kidding way. I know it's still a difficult RPG, but it also allows you to, you know, grind and things oh, like no, that. Oh, no, it's definitely the baby version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with that. Did you end up playing... Did you end up playing Fire Emblem, Nadia? Uh, no, I meant to buy it, but I, I think I wanted to go like all whole hog and get like all the three versions at once or something, and uh, I haven't done that. <laughs> so, well, when you finish Odin Sphere, I strongly recommend it. I really should because um, I, I loved Awakening. Like that was one of my favorite games. Period. Like just how funny it was and how heartful it was, and just I had a great time with it. I thought Conquest was excellent outside of its story. I thought the story was just okay. Um, but the map designs were phenomenal. Um, I I thought it was definitely a cut above Awakening. I liked that you couldn't just grind. Um, there's, I think the at, at its heart, the best thing about Fire Emblem is how you have to actually use your tactics. And the the best design maps are not just hacking through, but you have to really think about your approach and it becomes almost kind of a puzzle. Right. And almost every single map on Conquest introduced some interesting wrinkle that really made you have to work through it. I ended up playing um, 
a huge chunk of birthright. I almost actually almost got through it, but then I like got sidetracked um, by my Vita, actually. <laughs> and I, I, I was kind of disappointed by how much smaller the maps were. And some of the maps have wrinkles, but they're not nearly as interesting as Conquest and they're not as expansive until the end. Like the, like for the final like five maps in Birthright are pretty, are actually like a giant difficulty leap from what comes before them. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, all right, well, this is interesting. My my, um, um, my main problem with the more difficult Fire Emblems, and I know it's a matter of taste and a matter of what you want out of a strategy RPG, but I find that like, like just with advanced, sorry, just like with Advance Wars, the solution, like you said, Kat, is very much a puzzle in which you have to make all the right moves that they want you to make. There's not a lot of wiggle room for experimentation. You have to just figure out what prescribed moves does the game want me to do to finish this challenge. And I like it. I like things to be a little looser, like a more more of like a Final Fantasy Tactics-y thing, where there's a lot more room to play with, um, you know, abilities and moves and things like that. But I, I understand why well, people like that. The difference between the, the the difference between tactics and Fire Emblem is that Final Fantasy Tactics is all about how you build up your character. Exactly. And, yeah. and Fire Emblem certainly has that. Like who you pair with your character has a huge outcome <laughs> on how characters grow and everything like that. But I think it's a fair criticism to say that Fire Emblem like has is kind of prescribed in some of the later maps, but. It's not nearly as bad as, say, Valkyria Chronicles or Advance Wars, in my mm, opinion. Yeah, I Valkyria think that Chronicles is bad it's like a that. Lot more, it's a lot more flexible, I think, especially if you have really well-considered characters. Um, if you have optimal pairings and they are at the right level, um, you're not going to die. You're not, going, you're not screwed if you go the wrong way, unlike, say, Valkyria Chronicles, or Advanced Wars, for that matter, mm-hmm. where, like, giant bottlenecks can form because you're not going the right way. Um, the thing that I'm really interested to get to, actually, is Revelation, which is the third part. Mm. Yeah. And from what I'm able to tell, that's the, de- the definitive version, because that is the one where you don't choose either side, and it brings uh, characters from both into it. And I think that's supposed to be the optimal choice, as it were, because uh, I will say that Birthright and Conquest both have melancholy conclusions. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Like, especially Conquest. Um, man, if you play Hoshido, like, if you play through Birthright and then you play through Conquest, like, your heart's going to be broken because <laughs> so many people die. Oh, my gosh. So, I, I think I'm I'm looking forward to tackling Revelation and... Well, as it happens, I'm traveling in July, so there you go. I will have plenty of time to break out my 3DS and play both Fire Emblem and Bravely Second, which I am also really looking forward to. Lots of good RPGs on my 3DS, so. But anyway, uh, I mean, are there any other RPGs that you wanted to highlight? Uh, I also enjoyed Bravely Second, so uh, I think we talked about yeah. that earlier. I'm still, we, I, I bought yeah. that, I, I need to get to Not it after I beat Bravely Default. Are you still working through Bravely Default? Yeah, by working, I, pl- I play for like two hours every three weeks when I don't have to review <laughs> something or play something else for work. So I'm out, I'm also traveling uh, soon, so I'm all, I hope to finish that game. I'm towards the end. All right, well, we're running long. So Axe of the Blood God, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, that kind of place, uh, SoundCloud. And uh, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. Um, we always... Enjoy hearing your comments. Thanks to everybody who has left a review. We really appreciate it. 
Uh, I mentioned that there was a contest that we were holding last week uh, where I was asking people to send in why their pet is a great RPG ca- uh, companion. Um, still taking entries, so send those to cat.bailey at usgamer.net. Am, am I allowed to or... say mine on, on the next show? Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, Twitter at the underscore catbot, or you can DM them to me on the site. Um, you can find Nadia at, at Nadia Oxford and Bob at Bob Servo. Do you guys have anything you want to promote, uh, Nadia? Uh, as usual, I, I'm updating Tiny Girl Tiny Games with essays once in a while, and uh, one I recently wrote was about um, Zelda Breath of the Wild and just uh, what's going to become of this wild space once uh, Link revives Hyrule. So. I don't know, it's just kind of something that was on my mind. Um, and also, you have some impressions of Brave Exvius, so which may be a little more positive than mine. So Yeah, absolutely, take a look at those. And I also did a noteblock beatbox on US Gamer for uh, Tohu, of all the things. <laughs> so you should go check those out. Bob, you have anything you want to promote? Yes, there's uh, Retronauts, of course, which is the US Gamer's class gaming podcast. It comes out every Monday. It's me, Jeremy, and some guests every week talking about a new retro topic. Uh there should be an Earthbound episode very, very soon on the 4th of July, actually, so look forward to that. Oh. And I also do Talking Simpsons. It's the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of The Simpsons. I host it every episode of the show. We tackle a new episode of The Simpsons in order, and we are at the end of the third season, and things are getting amazing. Yes. And I have a couple things to promote. First of all, I wrote a cover story on Monday. It's about California's secret arcades, which I I found kind of fascinating. And the reason that I ended up writing it was because I had a friend named Young Kim, whom I had stayed in touch with, um, after I profiled his arcade in San Mateo, and he had closed it. And instead of liquidating all of his machines, he put them into a garage Mm -hmm. and uh, just kept inviting his friends over. So... Um, and holding tournaments and that kind of thing, but decided to keep it private mm-hmm. for the sake of he didn't want to have to hire help and he wanted to be able to trust that everybody would, you know, take care of the machines and everything because most of that stuff is quite valuable. And I was just like, man, that is so cool that you have these hobbyists now who are opening up these private spaces um, and or hosting them in their basements or whatever. So, and maybe that's the final form of the arcade scene in the U.S. and maybe that's kind of sad, but... You should go read the entire story over on US Gamer. And then, of course, From Us to You is still going. Um, uh, Nadia brought up Odin Sphere Less Vizier. We actually talked about HD remasters in mm-hmm. the past episode. You can find all of the segments on our show page, or you can go over to YouTube, find that, and it's also on SoundCloud. You can subscribe and download on iTunes. But in the meantime, um, next week I'm going to be in Japan, and... We are going to be doing a very special 8-4 Acts of the Blood God crossover. We're doing it again, people. Cool. And I got a particular topic in mind. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Tell, so, uh, tell Mark McDonald, quit being so mean to JJ. You know, Mark <laughs> McDonald's not, I mean, he's not going to be there, oh, unfortunately. Right. I forgot, he doesn't really yeah. work there. He doesn't really work there, and I think he's on vacation. Mm. Um, or he's going to be on vacation next week. So, But you can look forward to that. In the meantime, I've been Cap Bailey, and for Nadia Oxford and Bob Mackey, thanks for listening, and happy adventure. Yeah.